Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Physiology Secrets Podcast. Bit of a different setup. This is a bit of an introduction into the actual episode, which we'll get into in a second. Unfortunately, our guest, uh, Brenton Ford from Effortless Swimming, couldn't make it into to here at Mulgrave to be able to record with us, and we couldn't get out there uh, in time to be able to get this episode to you. So we did it over a Skype call earlier on today. Um, the audio quality at times, probably from my end, isn't too great, so just bear with that. But all the stuff from Brenton's end, he's got a really good mic, so it all, it all recorded pretty well. And there's some really awesome content around the basics of swim technique, how they go about it at Effortless Swimming. I'll leave all the links that we refer to uh, down below in the description for wherever, wherever you're watching, whether that's on Podbean, uh, iTunes Podcast, YouTube, or on Facebook where you can check out all, all their stuff. You can go and follow what they do uh, and what Brenton does on a daily basis, and uh, which is and the analysis and improvement of, of swimming technique for obviously swimmers, but then triathletes as well. Uh, how that can sort of translate, we'll, we'll talk a little bit later on about uh, pool versus open water swimming and a bunch of other awesome things uh, that those guys are doing as well. I'll leave all the links to that below. So without any further ado, we'll get into the episode. Hope you enjoy this one and we'll see you in the next one. What you do, who you are and what your background is, but then what the what the goes with effortless swimming. So uh, my, my background is basically swimming. I started when I was really young, about four or five years of age. And I was coached by my granddad. And then when he passed away, I was coached by my dad. So um, a long background in swimming. But uh, I really started coaching at, uh, at 19, the first year, um, first year of uni, actually. And uh, it was three years after that that I started Effortless Swimming. And Effortless Swimming, it started because I, I wanted to do a bit of coaching, but just teach people online. I sort of, this was early days of like YouTube. And I don't even think uh, podcasting was starting to become a thing but I wanted to be able to sort of teach the stuff that I that I knew and, and teach it to a bigger audience than just the swimmers that uh, I could see face to face. And um, it started off as just a, a small idea and over the next sort of, uh, it's been 12 years now, uh, we've coached uh, three, 4,000 different people at clinics and um, we've had hundreds of different people, different people at camps and um, had millions of people watch our videos. So um, my background has, has been coaching, uh, swimming and then coaching. But uh, yeah, I just, I love working with people, especially adults who are doing triathlon and open water swimming. That's where I feel I can have the biggest impact and, uh, and benefit for people is those guys who may not have grown up swimming, but they, uh, they love it and they just don't know what they can do to get faster. So that's really what I've uh, honed in on over the last couple of years. Yeah, cool. So you're mostly on the online side of things. You, I know you, you run a few clinics and that in person. Um, do you want to just give us a bit of a rundown of that and sort of if you want to plug any of those upcoming clinics, um, go for it now. Yeah, well, we um, it was primarily it was all online uh, the first couple of years, but now we, we've probably shifted more face-to-face. So we have uh, about 100 to 150 clinics a year um, all around Australia, and we do a few in New Zealand as well. And then we run some, some camps overseas in um, Hawaii and Thailand, and we're going to have one in Noosa next year as well. So, yeah, more face-to-face stuff. And if you're in Australia, which I know most of your uh, listeners are, then um, yeah, we've got a, got clinics in all the the capital cities there. Awesome! So definitely plenty of resources and uh, from from checking out the stuff from from mine as well. The stuff's really high quality, which is which is great. Keep, keeps it simple to understand, which is perfectly on with what we try to do here as well. So um, anyone interested, definitely definitely start checking some of the stuff out. Um, I guess the the question that we sort of sort of want to lead into next is starting point of where to look for a, a technique is there a, is there a particular process you guys follow when you're analyzing someone's technique or are there are there any sort of i guess guidelines of where to start if someone is trying to improve their technique should they be looking at a particular part of the stroke as a as a major focus first yeah the, what what we typically follow is these the five core principles that that we've sort of come up with over the last couple of years so it all starts with um, breathing deep and relaxed so that that is really 
you want to be able to relax in the water because if you're, you're panicked and you're afraid of the water, then it doesn't matter you know, how good your catch is, you're not going to get to the other end of the pool. So um, just relaxing is number one and just breathing comfortably. So that means using your diaphragm to breathe. Um, and then it kind of leads on to the next thing, which is finding your balance in the water. So we want to be horizontal. And you know, if, you, if your legs and your feet are dropping, there's a number of things that can, can cause it. But um, I think a big part of that comes down to having good posture to start with. And that just means, uh, we like to talk about it as swimming tall and swimming proud. So chest out, lift your sternum, keep the shoulders back and relaxed. And think of it as though someone's pulling you up from above, like lengthening through the spine. If you've got yourself set up in that way, it's gonna help a lot with your with your balance. So um, we, we'll look at look at balance and then make some adjustments if it's, uh, it's not there. And obviously head position and a few other things play a part. Then we look at the rotation. So swimming's not done flat it's done rocking side to side so we we normally recommend rotating about 45 degrees through the upper body and then sort of 30 to 35 degrees through the through the hips um, we don't want to roll all the way onto the side i know um, there's some sort of swimming methodologies that like to teach you know get all the way on your side get as long as you possibly can but it's just not what the the best swimmers in the world do and while you don't want to sort of uh, copy everything that the elite guys are doing because they're they've probably got some uh, you know they've got different mobility and strength so you don't want to copy everything but there's things there that that are worth trying to um to replicate so 45 degrees rock side to side with the recovery so when the arm comes over the top of the water um i know when i got taught it was really um keep the hand close to the body nice high elbow but we work with a lot of adults and some of them struggle to get their arms above their head. They can't streamline. So, uh, and you've probably seen that too. So I, I find with the recovery, especially as an adult, go wide, like have an open recovery. So I mean, open is as in get that hand out wide as opposed to close where the hand is really close to the body. So um, that's what I like to aim for. And I also like to aim for an assertive entry. So you don't want to be too calculated and controlled with that entry because it's just, um, especially if you're going open water, you're going to be a bit of a victim to the to the chop and to the wave. So get that hand out in front and it's it's once it's in the water that it can slow down a bit. Um, and then in terms of uh, the, the next thing is, is a line. So you want your arm to be directly in line with the shoulder. You want this long line from your fingers to your toes because the, the way to swim faster is number one, you've got to minimize drag. Um, it doesn't matter how, how, how strong or how fit you are. If you're creating a lot of extra drag um, by not being aligned or having your feet drop down, it is going to uh, be hard work, even if you're Michael Phelps and your, your legs are sitting down. So um, we look at that and then we look at the catch in the pool. Um, and, and then after that, we sort of look at some of the finer details, some of the nuances with, uh, with timing of the catch and the kick and, um, and, and what type of kick they're using. So that's kind of the progression that I like to use. And it's called the five, five core principles of fast freestyle. That's what, what we um, phrase it as. And, um, and that's on our website for people to, to look at. But I find that's a really simple way to approach things, no matter what sort of style and technique you got. And I know we're probably going to go into um, different types of, of technique, but um, no matter what style you swim with, I find that's the, that's kind of the, the framework that you can use no matter where you're at. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one as well because um, I'm sure you guys as well, a lot of guys will instantly think, oh, it's something to do with my hand position or my catch entering the water. But mm -hmm. as you just described it, there's so much more to it before you even get to the finer details of where that hand is entering the water. And um, and all the little things to do with body position and that alignment first is is really critical to getting it right. So, yeah, I, I really like the fact that you've got yeah, five core principles, keeps it simple as a, as a process. And um, I'll find if you shoot through the link, I'll chuck it down below uh, at the bottom of the bottom of the podcast episode so everyone can check it out because, yeah, super useful is to follow that step-by-step step process to, mm. to nail everything down and get those key 
key aspects working. Um, as you just sort of alluded to, in terms of differing techniques, this is, this is a question we get asked a lot um, when it comes to, we'll start with pool swimming first, but when it comes to some of those elite examples where you have that really symmetrical traditional sort of stroke, but then you've got someone like Michael Phelps who's, who's all just that lopsided asymmetrical stroke, seems to hold or, or pause a bit on one arm and then leans over. Um, what, what's, the, what's the go with determining whether someone's going to be a bit more of that straight down the line, even left and right, and, or maybe the other way and, and be a bit asymmetrical? And, mm-hmm. and how do you then implement that? How do you know when a person needs to have a slightly different stroke to that, that perfect model? Yeah, um, there's a number of factors that we look at. So the first one is what are they naturally suited to? So what's someone just off the bat, what are they, how are they swimming? And it's, it's usually best to, to work with the, the style that they're, that they're currently swimming with. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is what, what type of swimming are they doing? Are they training for a, a triathlon? Will they be wearing a wetsuit? Um, or are they just going to be purely swimming in the pool? So we'll, we'll look at that and, then, and that can determine how, how they should be swimming. Um, and then also the distance of the event. So if they're doing a 50 or a hundred, often those techniques are quite different than anyone doing sort of 200 meters or more. So they're the things that we, we look at. Um, and then in terms of, you know, should it, should you have a, a more, um, even stroke in terms of the rotation, uh, or should it be more asymmetrical? I find that sometimes it can come down to breathing. So if you're, if you're better off breathing every two strokes to the one side, that can often lean more towards just an, an asymmetrical stroke. Um, or if you typically breathe every three, then it's going to be usually a bit more, a bit more balanced. So for example, um, two, uh, well, two Australian triathletes. So, um, Annabelle Luxford, she's got uh, a sort of more, uh, balanced stroke and she, she breathes every three more times than not. Um, so she's got that even rotation, um, same timing on both sides. Whereas someone like, uh, Clayton Fatale, who've done some filming with, um, he's sort of more that, that lopsided technique and, um, there's no right or wrong there. And, uh, it's just, it's a very individual thing. So I find, uh, it's, it's good to work with whatever people feel like they're, they're, they're best doing and what they're probably naturally doing anyway, anyway. Yeah, cool. So yeah, there's that room for room for movement. Is there anything, someone coming brand new into into swimming, for example, for the first time that maybe they've gone from a running background and they're coming into triathlon, they haven't done much swimming. Is there one or the other you generally lean towards initially and then sort of work it out from there? Is that is that sort of how you go about for someone who's completely fresh? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I'd probably. I haven't sort of thought too much about about that because I, I normally just uh, like to see how people swim. So, like for example, when they, people come to our our clinics, we keep them really small and we'll, we'll do filming with everyone, and then we'll look at all right, how you're currently swimming, and then we'll go we'll look at the what are the three things that are worth focusing on for them. So yeah, it's just it's just an individual thing. Um, but that said, I reckon you know someone who's coming into the sport pretty fresh without much experience, uh, I I find if if they can just Often the, the focus is too much on uh, like on the catch in the pool early on. So while it definitely plays a part, you want to get those first two things right, which is the the breathing and relaxing, and then just getting balanced in the water. And there's some sort of simple things that that I like to sort of always come back to, no matter even if they're high level swimmers or, or beginners. And it comes down to just with your body, your posture. You just want to sort of get that right. You want some tautness through your core, tautness through the midsection. So, so you need your glutes lightly engaged there. And you want that proud posture because if if the main part of your body is sort of uh, long and taut and it's um, and it's efficient in the water, that's going to set you up 
uh, and, and then help you take, um, carry on to the, the catch and the pull. So get that right, get your breathing deep and relaxed, and then that will give you the platform to then move on to, uh, to the other stuff. So it's, that stuff's not, it's not as sexy as working on the catch and the pull. Um, and you know, everyone wants to, wants a higher bow catch and stuff, but, um, no, it's, it's comes back to good fundamentals. If you have good fundamentals, you can then work on the harder things, but, and, and when your stroke starts to fall apart, if you've got those good fundamentals, you're still going to be swimming well, even as you, as you get tired. And I know, you know, you guys are all about, you know, fundamentals and, and getting good at that and coming back to basics because it's, um, yeah, with all the, all the content that people see, it's, and, and. And I'm probably guilty of this too with doing lots of different YouTube videos and stuff like that. We talk about many different aspects of the stroke because it's it's good to teach, but everything comes back to fundamentals. So I, I think they're the more important things to work on. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And like you hit the nail on the head, we we're exactly the same. Keep it keep it simple. Keep it to the 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 stuff that it's going to make up 95, 98 percent of your performance. And those little one percenters at the end are, yeah, are just icing yeah. on the cake. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. Leading leading off the back of I guess the the pool swimming sort of questions. You want to just talk a bit. So we got a large, large group of triathletes that we work with, but I've worked with some open water swimmers as well. Is there much difference that you see one between pure pool swimmers and then open water athletes? But how does the stroke change based on whether you're swimming in a pool and open water? And is there is there something that particularly triathletes who do a lot of training in a pool? Is there something we should be looking for um, in those sessions to then carry over when we do have to get in the open water for a race? Mm. So the, with the first thing, how, how does the stroke change? When I first started, uh, well, I was a pool swimmer for oh, sort of 15 years, basically. And then I started doing some open water swims when I was uh, about 20, 21. And uh, the first, I reckon, first three years, I was, I, was, I was good at it, but not great because um, I was swimming like a pool swimmer. And whenever there was any chop, I would I'd sort of, I'd, I'd fall back a bit. And it's because I didn't. I, I was still swimming like a pool swimmer, and that pool swimmer uh, is it's it's a longer stroke. There's a bit more glide, uh, a bit closer recovery to the body, and um, and just not willing to get sort of scrappy with the stroke. So I find when you're going open water, and especially if you've got a wetsuit on and there's any chop, there's nothing wrong with kind of getting a little bit uglier and a little bit scrappier with the stroke. So what does that look like? Well, uh, a higher and wider recovery is often the case there. And, um, and most of the time, especially in Melbourne, we're all swimming with a wetsuit. So there's, when it comes to training, there's nothing wrong with using a pool boy. Um, pool boy and paddles work. You want to develop that upper body strength and you want to uh, replicate what you do when you're racing. And um, a lot of the times with the wetsuit on, it's very similar to, to having a pool boy in. So that can be a good way to, to sort of get used to it. And, and it takes the legs out of it a bit. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't focus on your kick at all. I think there's, there's certainly an element to wanting to... Um, have an effective kick you don't need a, a big propulsive kick or anything but you want to be effective with it but it, it is definitely much more upper body um, when you've got the the wetsuit on so what i tell um, my swimmers when they're looking to transfer across to that open water the stroke rate is probably going to increase 10 to, to 15 percent uh, and that'll sort of naturally happen anyway when you when you tend to sit a bit high with the wetsuit on but the the stroke rate will increase increase a bit you probably want to recover a little bit faster so when it when it comes to um when it comes to increasing your swim speed without sacrificing your sort of distance per stroke, you know, the, the swim speed equation is your, your distance per stroke and your, your stroke rate. So you can increase your stroke rate by recovering over the top of the water faster and pulling through with the same speed underneath there. So that's basically a way to um, not be spinning the wheels too much. So that's kind of what I like to focus on instead of just trying to pull faster and pull harder. That's a big mistake that people tend to make when they're trying to go faster. 
if you're trying to, to really rush through the water, you're losing that contact time with the water and you're just going to be slipping. So um, try and try and maximize that contact time with the, with the water. Uh, and then, yeah, over the top of the water, um, assertive entry, keep it wider. And um, yeah, and you might be looking at maybe a different kick as well. So I've been doing a lot of work with swimmers lately um, who have either gone, who either doing like a two beat kick, so one kick per arm stroke, um, or they do a, a six beat kick. Well, I've, I've worked with a lot of sort of triathletes and we, I'm getting them to use a four beat kick now. And, um, and the reason for that is the body position, it often improves quite a bit with it. And uh, it can also help keep the heart rate down a bit, and um, but keep the pace up. And with a four-beat kick, so the, the way to think of it is it's one kick on, on one stroke and three on the other. So it's, the timing of it is one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. And that works really well with that lopsided stroke where, they're, um, you know, where you're basically just breathing on the one side, you're kind of gliding, you're, you're spending more time on that one side. That four-beat kick can be a good way to... Um, to, to make the most of that sort of asymmetrical stroke. So um, yeah, that's what I've, I've found to be working pretty well with a lot of guys lately. And um, there's all these little levers you can pull uh, when it comes to open water swimming and, and with your technique. And they're, um, they're some of them that we, um, that we typically, um, yeah, look at. Cool. Is it, is it a difficult transition to go from a, a two bait or a six bait kick down to that four bait? Obviously it's a, a, an interesting timing of the kick with that sort of alternating pattern of, of one and then three kicks is there anything in particular that you use to to train that just while we're on it yeah it's um i mean for how we teach it it's it's part of principle number five so it's sort of towards the end there it's it's not something you really want to be starting with uh so if let's say you've been swimming for six to 12 months what you might want to focus on to to begin with no matter what your timing is is you want to have your your catch happen at the same time as your downwards kick on on that side of the, your body so your right arm and your right leg should should work together will work at the same time when you do the catch and the kick there that's sort of number one in terms of your, your timing with that but then going between the, the the three types of kick it can be good to be able to shift those gears and to be able to train it so you know what we'll normally give someone is uh, a number of ways you can do it but like 1250s for example start with a, a two beat kick and you might find the first time you do it you can't you just can't get it happening but um the more you do it the better you get at it but yeah you might do 450s of um practicing a two beat kick 450s practice trying to get that four beat kick as best you can and then 450s with a with a six beat kick and then you can sort of progress to doing like a say a 150 150 meters where you'll do one lap at a two beat and then a four beat for the next 50 and then um, six beat for the next so just being able to um to get better at changing gears and and what the the best swimmers end up doing is they might have a, a progressing set where they're going like uh say nine 200s building one to three so three six and nine are the fast ones with the, the first 200 they'll they might just do a two beat kick because that's what they can sustain the, you know, going at a, a, an easy pace. And then as they start to pick it up, they'll go to the four beat kick. And then if they're really working in that last one, they might throw in a six beat kick for the last 50. So um, that's what you eventually want to want to get to. And, uh, but it, it is one of the, the later things you typically want to work on. Yeah, cool. It's just an interesting one that, yeah, coming coming sort of in the middle is you get that nice balance of of efficient kicking so you can keep the heart rate down, you can you can sort of cruise through your stroke, but you can still keep the pace on, which is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I find that a really, really interesting way to look at it, which is really cool. Um, just, just the last thing on sort of open water swimming, with siding, just take me through what, uh, what you do to implement that into the stroke and not, I guess, break up the stroke a bit because obviously if we're trying to sustain that, that continuous 
keeping the pace on by using potentially a four-week kick and, and opening up the stroke a bit, shortening it up, et cetera. How do we then incorporate looking out for where we have to go? Obviously, you don't have the, the guiding the line up in the middle of the pool and you don't have the ropes either side. You're sort of all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how, do you, how do you go about then timing that or teaching or any drills that you use to, to implement into the stroke and, and how can you practice it, I guess? Yeah, I think the best way to practice it is, is definitely in the pool. And I normally find it, it, it really doesn't take long once you... It doesn't take long to, to learn it. It obviously takes um, a while to, to master it and to be able to do it if it's really choppy. But what I what I teach to nearly everyone is just is the sight and breathe method. So it's basically where on when one hand's entering, you're going to be looking up sort of crocodile eyes, you know, eyes just above the surface of the water. And then on the next stroke, you turn the head to breathe. And so it's, that, it's almost one fluid... Uh, movement or motion um, you can also obviously just sort of sight and go back down and there's and that's a good way to do it too but um, i find the way to best to to not break the the rhythm of the stroke is just is is sight and then breathe and you know you, you your body position is not going to be affected much by that at all uh, because it's such a quick look forwards there and um, you know and you should be able to sustain all pretty much the same pace when you do that method um, and even if you're breathing, or sorry, sighting every seven to, to nine strokes. So um, when I'm when I'm racing, I'll be looking, yeah, usually every sort of seven to nine strokes, especially if it's yeah, if it if it is choppy, um, and and the the speed's not not impacted there. You're much better off doing that, even if it let's say it slows you down uh, a second, right? If you if you do that and, and breathe, uh, sorry, and sight every uh, nine to ten strokes do that rather than go off course for 200 meters across your half Ironman distance because automatically that's going to be possibly four minutes slower. Uh, so, you know, I, I like to look at the sort of the Strava profiles of, of people after a race. And um, if let's say, it, as long as the course is uh, the right distance, if you're swimming 2,100, 2,200 meters across a 1,900 meter swim, you you could uh, cut off one of your swim sessions and just swim straight and you will have saved yourself, uh, you know, six minutes there. So um, that's, it's kind of the uh, low hanging fruit for a lot of people. So it's, it's worth practicing. So I reckon just in a session, practice that sight and breathe method. We've got a video on, um, on YouTube it's from a couple of years ago, but it's just called how to, uh, I think how to sight in open water. And it basically just covers that with some videos of, um, of Clayton Fatale doing that. Cool. Um, yeah, definitely a, a, an interesting one that obviously can save us a bit of time by not going off course, but then also doing it, as you said, as part of the stroke, just sort of lifting the eyes a little bit and then turning into your normal breath. Um, just a way to then continue that stroke so we're not losing time by stopping or, or having to prop ourselves up and and obviously lose that lose that touch and lose that position in the water. So um, yeah, that, that's been that's been really great. Thanks for uh, thanks for jumping on uh, and sort of giving us a quick rundown about what you do and and a few few of the sort of key questions we get we get asked. I'm sure. We'll get more flooding in, so if we do get a bunch more questions, we'll have to get you on uh, a second time uh, on the podcast as well. But uh, do you want to just leave us with uh, where we can follow follow your stuff in terms of effortless swimming, or get in touch with with the guys to to tee up a session with um, with one of the group sessions you do, or or where can we find you basically? Yeah, yeah. Um, our website's effortlessswimming.com, so that's got all of our our clinic dates. If you are in Australia near a capital city, um, otherwise on on YouTube or Instagram um, at effortless swimming. We um, we put up videos every week, and um, there's quite a few. Yeah, there's there's heaps of content there. So if you're looking to learn uh, anything, we've we've probably done a video on it. So uh, yeah, I appreciate you having me on the podcast, and I know, yeah, I've been following you guys for a while, and I've known Luke for quite a while. So um, yeah, I pr- appreciate you having me on. It's been uh, good to be a guest. All right, thanks again, mate, and uh, yeah, we'll look forward to to catching up soon.